G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Always look forward to a Tuesday, our opportunity to check on breaking news headlines as they've been happening overnight and over the past weekend and those developments that are going on in the Middle East which affect the whole world, but especially as they relate to the nation of Israel. Ron Ross is back with us again today, been scouring the headlines overnight. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Ron, one of those headlines which is quite significant in the news, of course, affecting the nation of Iran and U.S. sanctions against Iran are taking effect. Iran is now looking elsewhere for assistance. Yeah, the United States reimposed sanctions against Iran yesterday, as flagged by President Donald Trump's withdrawal from his predecessor Barack Obama's nuclear deal formerly known as JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. The Iranian government demanded immediate assistance in thwarting the sanctions from the European Union, which remains nominally supportive of the JCPO, uh, but in practice there seems little the Europeans can do to satisfy Tehran's increasingly strident demands. Our policy is based on a clear-eyed assessment of the Iranian dictatorship its sponsorship of terrorism, and its continuing aggression in the Middle East and all around the world, President Trump said. The White House noted that yesterday marked the final day of the 90-day wind-down period laid out when President Trump withdrew America from the JCPOA. Sanctions will now be restored against Iranian purchases of U.S. banknotes, trading gold, and other precious metals, industrial materials such as steel and coal, software, currency trades, Tehran's issuance of government debt, and the Iranian automobile industry. And incidentally, Neil, uh, there are protests across Iran. Uh, I've noted in four cities at the moment, and over the weekend they shut down access to the Internet and email facilities in some cities. There's great tension going on in Iran right now. Great tension, and while the U.S. president and the leadership of Iran are trading barbs too, uh, there's no likelihood of any sort of peaceful resolution in the short term. Let's move on to another headline, Ron. Some division among the Palestinians, where you've got Hamas political leadership supporting agreement with Israel, but other parties within the Palestinian territories not so happy with that. Hamas has decided to endorse a staggered ceasefire with Israel, which would begin with an end to the launching of kites and balloons, and in exchange, Israel's lifting of the latest sanctions imposed on the Gaza Strip. And incidentally, those uh, incendiary balloons caused damage to agricultural area half the size of Melbourne just this weekend. Hamas sources said that the Palestinian factions were informed of the decision by the ruling organization's political office, 
that in exchange for the cessation of all attacks against the border fence, Israel would open the Karim Shalom crossing to the transfer of goods and the fishing zone would be expanded. The two sides would then proceed to the second stage that would include a prisoner exchange and, in parallel, the beginning of a large infrastructure projects in Gaza and preparations for the complete lifting of the blockade on the Gaza Strip. Fatah apparently are not happy and saying the agreement will not go forward without the full approval of the Palestinian Authority. And the problem then, Neil, is that Egypt is part of the negotiations, which makes it difficult for Fatah and Hamas uh, to react. Ron, it is a serious situation. We'll be looking at that one, no doubt, closely. And uh, that's significant, that there is this division within the Palestinian parties. Uh, let's turn our attention to another issue and uh, the US and some more concerns about the United Nations. Well, the UN Relief and Works Agency must be changed according to some demands that are coming from the United States. Well, I can tell you that over many years this is way, way overdue. The Trump administration officials have criticised UNRWA uh, on Sunday characterizing the aid body as fundamentally flawed, a cash-strapped organization hampering Palestinian growth. The mandate of the UN agency, which provides assistance to the descendants of refugees from the 1940s mandate Palestine, has perpetuated and exacerbated the refugee crisis, a senior administration official said. The US President Donald Trump ordered a review and partial suspension of aid to UNRWA in January of this year when several of his top officials were privately questioning the purpose of the organization according to emails obtained by foreign policy last week. One of those emails showed Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law and senior advisor, calling UNRWA a corrupt, inefficient and unhelpful organization. The U.S. policy regarding UNRWA has been under frequent evaluation and internal discussion. The administration will announce its policy on UNRWA in due course, an administration official said. But one of the areas that the U.S. is contesting is that the Palestinians are the only ones who have increased the refugee crisis numbers since the 1940s and have held their uh, refugee status in perpetuity uh, for all that time. And the US is saying that's ridiculous. Ron, another headline, a significant one, and one that ought to, I think, uh, bring us to our knees in prayer for what happens in some nations of the world. Uh, we're so appreciative of the Christian foundations that we've had for marriage in our nation, in Australia. But uh, when we look at the nation of Lebanon, some headlines overnight about young women being forced into abusive marriages and Syrian child brides increasingly resorting to suicide. Uh, what's the story here? It's terrible. In Lebanon, young refugees are being married off by families in need of money and security to much older men who rape and beat them and offer consider them merely entertainment. Salwa, whose name has been changed for her protection, is now 20. She's a refugee and one of the more than 40% of Syrian girls in Lebanon forced into early marriage due to the Syrian civil war. 
That's nearly double the rate of early marriage in Lebanon since the crisis began. Marriage is seen as a way to protect girls from sexual assault and give parents one less mouth to feed. In fact, Lebanon's struggling economy, coupled with the United Nations' shortage of aid, can leave refugees desperate for a dowry. So it shows the scar on her wrist. It's a reminder of one of the many times she tried to commit suicide since being forced to marry a physically abusive man when she was only 14. In many respects, girls are seen as a commodity, said Fiona Carr, a spokesperson for Girls Not Brides, an international NGA dedicated to ending child marriage. It's like, where can I place this? For some parents, getting a dowry is a high commodity, so they'll place her with the highest bidder. What parents don't realize, though, is child brides at a higher risk of being raped, getting HIV, dropping out of school, and continuing a life of poverty. According to Girls Not Brides, many become depressed and in Selwa's case became suicidal. On July the 3rd, the Syrian government called on refugees to return, saying it has successfully cleared large areas of terrorists. But for many refugee girls in Lebanon, the damage is already done. Mm. And might I say, if people want to Google that story on Times for, for Israel, it's horrendous. It is. Ron, let's talk about another pretty uh, significant and in one sense there's a positive aspect to a story uh, that you've been researching overnight. A new book is declaring that it's only jihadists who want to see Christians leave the Middle East. How does this story unfold? Well, the book says the only people that want to see all Christians leave some of the violent jihadists. Everyone else, including some we might term as Islamists, desired their continued presence. They recognize that it is Christians who are the leaven that permeates the whole society. The Church in Disorienting Times, that's the title of the book, edited by Jonathan Andrews, has contributions from Egyptian, Lebanese, Palestinian and Syrian Christians as well as by those from Europe and North America. It's about the church being the agent of transformation in society and how there are more opportunities to do so in disruptive, disorienting times. The contributors say the church must move outside its buildings to do something, and it should do so even as in many places it's being squeezed out of a wider society. We all live in disorienting times, says Andrews, if only due to the pace of technological and other change. But for the Middle East, there is also the context of violent conflict and the unfulfilled aspirations of the Arab Spring. The book uses the content of a consultation in Lebanon in June 2017. It consists of four thematic chapters, each of which has contributions by nationals of two Middle East countries, two case studies, and a look at the topic outside of the Middle East. Included among the chapters are persecution and suffering, such as the religious persecution of Christians in Egypt and the situation of the Palestinians, exploring whether injustice should be overtly challenged or quietly accepted, a theme that recurs throughout the book, 
This chapter introduces the themes of hospitality, including for a former persecutor, the limitations of open-closed-door thinking. When a door is closed, we look for a window to jump in, says Ramos Atala. Uh, it's an amazing book and one I think we should all read. Well, for those who are excited and interested about those sorts of insights, just give us that author's name one more time, Ron, if you can, uh, and, and the title of that book, because no doubt there'll be some who are quite interested in that uh, level of insight. The book is called The Church in Disorienting Times. And it's edited by Jonathan Andrews with contributors from Egypt, Lebanon, Palestine, Syria, and so on. Ron Ross, always priceless insights. And thank you so much for gleaning those stories from the headlines. Look forward to these conversations each Tuesday, same time as this. And thank you so much for being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.